0: Welcome to Healing After Baby Loss, the podcast I wish I had eight years ago when my beautiful daughter, Harper Grace, was born still. I have spent the last eight years devoted to healing, and these are the 15 things I wish I had a playbook for. My hope is that you take what serves you and leave what doesn't, but that in these words as I share our story, you can find hope and healing and know that our nonprofit, StoMama.org is here for you. I am your host, Doreen Corba, and this is our journey. Hello, everyone. I am so happy to be here with you today, and we're going to have our very first guest, maybe our only guest on the podcast series, Miss Maggie Reyes. Welcome to
1: the podcast, Maggie. I am so glad to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: And I'm going to let you actually introduce yourself. But I will say that Maggie is a friend, a colleague, a trusted advisor to so many women navigating their marriages. So she is a marriage coach. She could have been a coach of anything she wanted, honestly, but she loves marriage. And I think, well, I always say, I think, I know, know when it comes to baby loss and child loss I think we're so afraid to lose our marriages too, and we don't Mm -hmm. know how we're going to navigate it. We don't know how we're going to get through it. So why don't you give a little intro about yourself? And Mm -hmm. then what we're going to do on today's episode is I'm going to share my experience Mm -hmm. navigating child loss so that others can see themselves in our story. And then I'm going to be asking Maggie specific questions on advice she would give at certain Mm -hmm. points in the grieving process. So Maggie, take it away.
1: Oh my gosh. First of all, I love it so much how you structured today. I think it's going to be so amazing. Thank you for the honor of being with you and for everyone listening. I know that if you found this podcast, it's because... You're in a moment where you just need a hug. And I hope that this episode just feels like a hug, like you're not alone in this. There are resources for you. So that's just my first intention for that. So I, as you mentioned, I am a double certified master coach. I'm all about continuing education, so I love learning all kinds of things. I do. I'm a relationship nerd. I, I like do it for a living, but then I also like to read about it, study about it. Uh, My husband laughs because I tell him that our relationship is like my little lab and I like test things on him and see what he thinks about things and stuff like that. Um, So I'm a marriage coach very much who feels that this is both my business, but it's also my mission. So I love being here to talk specifically about this because it is such a traumatic event that can very easily um, create so much stress on a couple that it's like your union is tested. So I'm so happy to talk about this with you.
0: Yes. And I, I will start by kind of walking myself back to the yeah. initial moments and what both Mike and I, I, I don't share a lot of his journey. Cause that's his story to tell, mm-hmm. but I will share my own and what I think he would be comfortable with me sharing was very much so. And I said this to Maggie earlier, I was like, you know, we were what, three or four years into a lifelong marriage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we were not expecting
1: mm-hmm.
0: to, we knew one day we would go through the deaths of our parents and and things that would be hard, but we weren't expecting it so early in our marriage. And so one of the things I was most afraid of mm-hmm. was that I had just lost my baby and I felt very safe in my marriage. I thought we could go through anything, but because that. Uh, you know, my faith in God was shaken and my mm-hmm. child was just taken. It's like everything was up for, everything was up for being shaken.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I was terrified that, that what if I lost my husband too? I couldn't mm-hmm. bear it. Right. And this is just this acute season mm-hmm. of grief where you feel like, oh my God, if this can happen, what's coming next. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you see that with your clients who are just like in any acute traumatic phase where it's like, oh, it just shakes your belief in everything you know to be true. Is
1: that common? Not just your belief in everything you know to be true, but also like your identity. It's like, if I identify as this person's partner, and this is a core, like, part of who i believe i am and suddenly another piece of my identity like i'm about to be a mom and usually you're you're you start identifying that as that role really quickly right when when you're in that process and your identity is like oh if i'm not this then who am i mm-hmm. so i think that happens in a lot of scenarios especially when you think about relationships over time um where we're going to go through traumatic events together so our identities will be shaken at multiple chapters of our lives Mm. and what I always come back to is just choice like I get to choose to be with this person as long as it makes sense to be with this person and I like to just remove any I don't know I feel like angst is too big a word but I like to remove the angst associated with it could change but you will be okay Mm. that piece of it it's like yeah it's valid to question can we go through hard things together what does that look like how do I want to be supported? Can this person support me in this way? How do they want to be supported? Am I available to support them in, the, in that way? These yeah. are valid questions to ask and any answer is also a valid answer. So it's kind of like, it's okay if it turns out that you don't stay together because of this, because we're gonna assume it's for your highest good. We're gonna assume it's for the best. We're mm-hmm. gonna assume that if this is enough to shake you all the way apart, then mm-hmm. it's better that it happens now than it happens later just for the people for whom that does happen because that is a common thing that does happen yes um and then for the people that are like oh my gosh but i'm totally invested in being with this person then you keep that investment you show up for the marriage you want you show up and be the partner you want to be you live in accordance with your values and then we just see how your partner responds right because they may be shaken too and and we just have to factor that in
0: Yes, oh, that I love that so much because our story is we did stay together. Yeah. And I think that our loss, and I hate even saying this, but I think losing Harper made us stronger and way closer than we could have ever been without losing a child because it, it it's like it it's kind of funny. I stopped counting how many years we were married. I stopped mm-hmm. all of that stopped after I was like, "Oh, okay." this is my life partner. We're in this mm-hmm. for the long haul. If we can navigate this, we can get through anything. Mm-hmm. And that was just our experience, right? Like, but that's not how it goes for everyone. But think
1: about this. And it also makes a lot of sense that you feel stronger afterwards, because if we think of relationships as cycles of ruptures and repairs, right? Breakdowns and breakthroughs. Then this is one of the biggest ruptures you could ever have. And if you can like survive this one, all the other ones are just so much easier to handle. Like there's like moving, which is one of the top 10 most stressful things. We can handle moving, right? Changing jobs, having more kids later, right? Whatever the different sort of um, things that rock your world a little yeah. um, come across, it's like our world was already completely rocked. We can, we can handle this, this one. Right. yeah my
0: mind is kind of blown as you're talking about ruptures and repairs because yeah. I had never had the words to describe yeah. how it felt, yeah, but it is so interesting it's like when other people are freaking out, we're like, oh, you mm-hmm. want us to move from the east coast to the west coast and leave everyone for work, okay, like three weeks later we were on the plane like <laughs> or like we have and yeah. and when covid came, mm-hmm. everyone was so So freaked out. And we were like, oh, this is like like another day in our life, you know? It's like we have totally been here before. Yes. Yeah. 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 And so that makes a lot of sense. And so for anyone listening that feels like, oh yeah, that makes so much sense. And I didn't have the language Mm -hmm. to it. Mm -hmm. There you have it. Like, relationships are just a series of ruptures and repairs. Mm -hmm. And I one of the things I noticed about my relationship um, was we grieved very, very differently, and we still do. Mm -hmm. And I, in the beginning was like, we were grieving the same. Mm-hmm. And then we started to, he, he, that we started to grieve differently. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, what's happening here? If you're not doing exactly like me, like you, you can't be doing it right. You know? <laughs> well, and Maggie's laughing. Um, and what I learned was and I, I like your take on this mm-hmm. too, when it comes to grief, mm-hmm. but what, what I saw and what I was just recently on Maggie's podcast, mm-hmm. sharing grief, you guys, I'm going to link that episode here. Cause mm-hmm. it's going to be a really great one to listen to. Mm-hmm. But what I saw was my husband modeled for me, mm-hmm. what it looked like to completely support me having my grief. And mm-hmm. so I used that model. Cause I did not have the emotional capacity to like figure shit out. Like I was just like, this is where we are right now. And he was like, okay, well, it's okay if you cry all day and it's okay if you want to stay in bed. And it's it's like, everything was okay. And I was like, but is it, things are not okay. Um, And he modeled for me. And then I thought to myself, well, if he can support me in what this looks like for me, then I, because I'm so grateful for that, I will support him and however he chooses to grieve. But even now, sometimes I put in some sly comments, you know, like Mm -hmm. I won't even say them because they're mean, but sometimes I will say kind of like, oh, I feel like I'm in this alone, right? He's Mm -hmm. like, no, (laughs) you're not in this alone. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm just dealing with it differently. So I'd love your take on that.
1: First of all, this is the eternal issue for every marriage about everything, Mm. is we marry people who are different than us because they're different than us and then we judge them for being different than us. <laughs> Stop calling us <laughs> out, Maggie. Stop that. So, so it 100% applies in grief and it's obviously very exacerbated and much more emotional and it feels like the stakes are so much higher, right? Mm. Because it's such a bigger loss. But this is really a core thing, which again, kind of comes back to, if you can overcome this with this, then it also doesn't matter if the early riser is with the night owl or with the spender is with the saver, like all of the, the travel person is with the person who like never wants to leave their house, but it doesn't matter because if you can navigate, how do we as a team move through this grief, then moving through all of those other ways we're different is just like, we'll figure it out, it's gonna be fine. So I just wanna say that part, which is, this is just a central thing for every relationship. So don't feel bad. (laughs) Everyone listening and you, but everyone listening. Um, And then the core thing that you said that your husband did, which was he witnessed you without judgment. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: If we can do that with our partners, if we can witness them without judgment, if we can come to curiosity, say, Oh, you know, he's reacting very differently. I wonder why just that. I wonder why. And even asking them, hey, I just noticed like for me, I like to cry for a few hours every day or, you know, and I noticed that you, you know, you've been playing baseball every night with your friends, you know, can you tell me more about that from a genuine place of curiosity, not assuming that they're doing it wrong. Mm. And that's a core assumption that just creates so much disconnection is when we decide somebody's doing it wrong. Yeah. And this is also family and friends too. So yeah. We're talking about marriage, but also when there's this big loss in the family. Yes. Some members of the family do different pieces of different things. And we're just like, oh, they're doing it wrong. They don't care.
0: Yeah. I I just recorded a podcast on that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So tell us your your take on that. We are a kismet. So they care the best that they could care for another human. It doesn't mean that they care the same way you care.
0: Yeah. That's literally what I said. I was like, they're, they're they're, they're giving all that they can. Yes, Based on their emotional intelligence too. Yes. And I did mention that those of us who have been through this journey, we don't have a choice but to be really emotionally intelligent because it's life or death.
1: Yes. And here's something, this is what I call it. I want to hear your take on this. Yeah. I think about emotional literacy, the ability to name a feeling, so an emotion, a feeling, right? And to describe what's happening in my world about that feeling Mm. is something that it's not across gender lines by any means there are very emotionally literate women and men and any Mm. gender right and there's emotional literacy on every side but here's what i do when i'm coaching someone i ask them this question so everybody listen pay attention i'm gonna ask doreen and see think of five men in your life humans who identify as men Just think of five people. So everybody listening, think of five people, men. And then if you had to rate their emotional literacy on a scale of one to 10, where 10 is they could talk about a feeling, have no problem, like just completely they could write paragraphs and sonnets and essays versus they don't feel comfortable talking about feelings. They don't really know how to articulate what's going on. They might do nonverbal things about this issue, right? Every time I've asked somebody so far, if we think of five people in our lives, there's like, I have one person that I would yeah, say. No. Well, I well, can't think of five. Right? Yeah. I
0: mean, maybe one. And I would think my son would be one of them only when it's just me and him. <laughs> right? Yes. That's so interesting.
1: So imagine if we're processing grief, right? A complex emotion that also has sadness and anger and all kinds of other things happening with it, right? So it's like, like a little plant with a lot of leaves and it has a lot going on. And you're processing and you're thinking about this stuff all the time. You're listening to this podcast, you're learning from Doreen. Like you are now, like, you could write essays and books about how you're feeling. Yeah. And people in your family or your partner they only know the letters of the alphabet they know a and b and c they cannot write essays and books about how they're feeling mm-hmm. and then we expect them to be reacting the same way we're reacting when all they have is the alphabet they can't even make sentences
0: oh my god do you want to hear my initial oh my god this is such a fun tangent here is yes. what i think about that though Good. why and <laughs> yeah. you guys are getting such the raw version of me today i am to be very spicy um I feel like it enables the less literate people to stay less literate
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I'm expecting them to rise. Mm-hmm.
1: Maybe, maybe not.
0: So because, go ahead. I think this is where a lot yeah. of us, at least yeah. the women I have talked to, cause I jump on the phone a lot with people's yeah. lost babies. And mm-hmm. I think we, we evolve. Mm-hmm. And in marriage too, Mm -hmm. like we're evolving Mm -hmm. our partners and the people in our inner circle are either evolving with us or we're evolving away from them because we, Mm -hmm. we don't have a choice Mm -hmm. and then we become less tolerant Mm -hmm. where we used to beforehand. It's like we, Mm -hmm. our bullshit meter was at 10. We didn't care. We're like, whoo. like peace and love you know Mm. and now we're in like the fight of our lives trying to figure out what this is going to look like for the rest of our life and Mm. we don't have that tolerance for those
1: less literate people maybe maybe not okay so do tell do tell so here's the maybe maybe not is the person may not be able to let's say have the same conversation Doreen can have with you But can they hug you? Can they bring you coffee? Or can they hold you if you need to cry? Can they um, do the groceries for you so that you can like take a nap because you haven't slept that night or something? We want to be aware that people process the world differently and it's not necessarily detrimental if we can still get things that are supportive and nourishing and that feel useful to us we want to not overvalue their verbal processing. And I want everyone to
0: really take that in when it comes to your partner. Yeah. Because all they may be able to give is a hug yeah. or is taking care of the kiddos. You can take a nap or whatever those actions are. I think yeah. that's such a beautiful way
1: Yeah, to see that. Yeah. So. Of course, we're in the height of a very emotional experience, and it's like if I don't get the thing I want the way I want it, then I don't want anything at all because what is all life for? Right? Like we're we're having that experience, right? How
0: are you calling us out like that? (laughs) So rude. It's
1: like I no it's like you know what you're talking about. Right. (laughs) Um, so I get it. I want to say to the person who's hearing us right now and is going through something like this where they just don't feel held by their partner. Like, I get it, it's not that I don't get it. My my loving invitation is to ask really explicitly for something that would feel kind or loving or nourishing to you and then i learned this from one of my mentors her name is michelle weiner davis and i love her so much and i did a uh, continuing education with her and she said here's how to think about your partners measure willingness instead of effectiveness and it blew my mind and so i tell everybody about it doreen's writing it down you guys so this is what i mean by willingness versus effectiveness is your partner is there every day they're like, can I get you coffee? Can I, do you want to take a nap? Can I do this for you? How about, I am going to bake the cupcakes for the bake sale, whatever. Like they're like there, but then the cupcakes look like a freaking, you know, <laughs> truck ran over them or like whatever. They made them with salt instead of sugar, like whatever. They did like all kinds of wacky things. We tend to measure effectiveness and then say, no, they're not supporting me. But if we refocus like a lens on a camera and we zoom in a different direction and we say, but what is their willingness? Are they showing up and giving their best effort? Very often, not always, but very often when we switch to measuring willingness, they got much higher scores. And what if they aren't yeah. willing? Yeah, then you want to know. Okay. That, that's the That's the part where mm. I'm like, hey, you may need a type of support that this person just cannot give you and that's kind of data you want to have is how is is the way that i think think about it so what if it's a family member that's not your spouse yeah that's not willing
0: what do you do with that
1: so here's my take on it in general so First of all, I want to say in everything, there's nuance, right? So everybody's situation is going to be slightly different. And when I come on a podcast, I'm like, here are, you know, some ideas. Please take into consideration your highest wisdom is always the thing you follow. But in general, what I would say is this. There is behavior that we allow because of people's titles that we would never allow if they didn't have that title. Mm -hmm. So mom, dad, sister, brother, friend, cousin, whatever the title is, I'm like, would... So if it's my mom, would I allow this behavior if it was my colleague at work? What boundary would I set? What would I say yes or no to? How much would I include them? So one way to think about a challenge with a family member is to remove the title and think about them human to human. Would I want this behavior in my inner circle in my time of grieving if this person didn't have this title? That'll give you a big clue right there of it's like, do I actually want this kind of support or whatever they're offering me? So let's say that they're processing completely differently. They're a member of your family. Maybe they wanna be over-involved in ways that you don't want them to be. That would be my experience in the Latin culture is we want to be in everybody's business. Mm. Just to be clear, right? And sometimes we need time, we need space. We don't want to be, you know, we don't want the soup. Keep the soup. Do not come to my house. Yes. <laughs> right? like, yes. I want to be alone. So with that situation, sometimes it's uncomfortable conversations of saying, you know, thank you so much. Today what I'm doing is is, you know. Being alone or napping or taking a break or, you know, when I'm available, I'll let you know. There are people, there will be people (laughs) who will not take no for an answer easily. Hmm. And then that's the part where also you can see, is it your direct family? Is it your partner's family? So we have a rule in my house, at least, which is we each deal with each other's family when it's an uncomfortable situation, right? Hmm. That's one way potentially your partner could support you, potentially nuance always right depending on who's doing what and when and how and all that now so i would say the place i would go with that is what is the boundary i need to set here if someone is not being supportive in a way that you need and then some other person maybe it's a cousin you only met once at a family reunion but they like get it and you just want to deepen your relationship with them when you're going through this or any traumatic experience, but especially something where there's such a big loss, hey, it's your turn. You get to pick how you want to be supported. And if anybody doesn't like it, too bad. So sad. Too bad. So
0: sad. I want everyone to hear that. It is your turn. And this, this counts. I don't care if it's yeah. been 16 years. I don't care if yeah. it's been 40. Yeah. Um, It's your turn if you are grieving, if you haven't gone in and done the steeper work, yeah. then it is it's your turn when you say so
1: it's your turn when you say so Doreen <laughs> yes it's your turn whenever you say so I'm so glad you mentioned the time frame I think that's important for everybody listening that and then this has happened to me i've coached more often on things like infidelity where maybe the infidelity happened like 10 years ago but the person never grieved it then and then they come to me and they're still grieving it now and what i can tell you from any um traumatic event is there's no statute of limitations on it there's no expiration date on it and it could be that you were raising little kids or something else was going on you just changed jobs you just moved across the country you had to put it aside to just function in life and then maybe you see a picture of a baby or maybe you watch a movie and something just switches on that had been switched off maybe for who knows how long this is normal there's nothing wrong with you it's okay to process it whenever it comes up for you and if people can't relate to you listen to podcasts like this get supported by people like Doreen. like like it's okay if people around you aren't um, in the same emotional place that you are, but it's your turn when you decide it is.
0: What would you say if that happens? We're 10 years later, we're five years later. And I have, I have been on the phone with mamas who've been like, I got pregnant right away. And so my whole attention had to switch to getting the next baby here safely. And then the the next one and the next one. And then and then literally 10 years later, mm-hmm. it hits them like a ton of bricks. Mm-hmm. How do you let people know it's your turn? So you've decided it's yeah. your turn because you, it is washed over you and you are yeah. in it and yeah. everyone else has moved on. Yeah. How do you let your partner know? How do you let people
1: know? I think it's relative to the role in your life. So you may let your partner know, you may let your inner circle know. And for other people, you may just not be available the same way you were before. You may not need to explain it to other people. So just mm-hmm. as a side note, it's like who you tell and how you tell them is is up to you because it's whatever you feel comfortable with and want to do. And I would say how you tell them is exactly how we're talking about it now. It's like, I had to put this aside to function and yeah. now it's hitting me it's that simple of how you say it and i'll just be like super real uh, um i'm not a parent so i haven't experienced this kind of loss but during the pandemic i did not realize i have never really been afraid of dying mm-hmm. but during the pandemic something switched on in me which which hadn't been there before and i very lived in a very heightened state of fear mm-hmm. And what I'm realizing now, as we have, you know, sort of reentered our, how we used to live before and travel and go places and all that. And I just told my husband, so this is sort of very apropos to what you're asking is, I told him, you know, I think that in order to function during the pandemic, I just like functioned and it was fine. But I basically lived in a very heightened state of fear for two years. Yeah. And it's like, now that adrenaline has worn off and now I'm left with... Um, I know if you listen to this podcast, you're familiar with like the freeze response, mm-hmm. like there's something in me that froze, yes. that is now starting to thaw. Mm-hmm. And I don't really, and I told them like exactly how I'm telling you, I don't really know what that looks like, what's happening. I'm just really noticing some things I didn't notice before. Yeah. So that's it. That's how you tell them.
0: <laughs> yes. I love that. and. Everyone has just heard about the freeze response Um, and we just, I just shared the grief masterclass I did on the difference between trauma and grief. So they're just coming off that. So it's perfect timing that you're bringing that up Mm -hmm. and coming out of the freeze response can, um, can feel like you're all of a sudden having feelings out of the blue, Mm -hmm. but anytime you're having feelings, it's like, okay, this is the healthy state. The healthy state is having the range of feelings. Mm -hmm. When we are monotone or feeling one way for long periods of time, heightens fear, heightens sadness, heightens joy, Mm -hmm. like toxic positivity. It's like we are stuck in those states and unable to Mm -hmm. be fluid. And as humans, we're meant to be fluid, we're meant to feel other things. So it's actually, if you are in that season, Mm
1: -hmm. nothing
0: has gone wrong here. (laughs) Yes. You are being so beautifully human. Mm-hmm. and um, well, well done for, yeah, just whenever, whenever it comes, I think that there's, especially in marriage, I feel mm-hmm. like, and this is the last question I'll, I'll, I could literally talk to you for six hours straight and we could just have a whole podcast, just the two of us, mm-hmm. but I will say this, when it comes to being in marriage and navigating through and whenever it hits, it hitting, I think the big thing that I heard you say Mm -hmm. was that you want to know. So you want to know where people stand. And as hard as it is, what to do with that knowing is Mm -hmm. our own work of processing. So so let's say now we know. And now we're we know and we don't like it. So if we know Mm -hmm. when we like it, we're good. We're gonna Mm -hmm. continue on in marriage, we're gonna continue on in friendship or relationship. Or now we know and we don't like it. Maybe Mm -hmm. we've removed the mother title or Mm -hmm. the in-law title or whatever. Mm -hmm. And now we're seeing clearly. Yes. What do we do when we don't like it? Like when you so we put up boundaries and we move forward. But Mm -hmm. I'm so curious your take on all right, we're in this marriage and we don't like Mm -hmm. it
1: hmm I'm going to say, this is going to sound scandalous to some people, Ooh. but sometimes you do nothing. Mm-hmm. So we live in a very action-oriented society that is very much like, I believe like our cultural narratives. like, okay, you found this out. Now you have to do something about it. Mm. Like maybe you don't, maybe you just figured out that you're grieving and you need to just deal with that. And you do that. And if the relationship isn't like, um, you know physically abusive you're not in em- imminent danger right like caveats always right right but if the relationship is kind of like humming along and it's just not your favorite thing ever um it's up to you at your convenience to decide what you're gonna do with it and i just want to normalize that right like one of the things we've done with marriage so marriage started as a business transaction you had land, I had cows, we got married, right? This is how we, this is how it started. It's relatively in modern times that marriage has evolved from a business transaction to being based on love and affection and partnership. What this tells us is we made it up and it could be about anything we want it to be about. That's what I want everybody to know. So if you, you want your marriage to be about friendship and collaboration, and if you have other kids in the interim, things have happened, and now you're raising other kids and you have all these other pieces going on in your life, you get to decide what your marriage is about. You may not like this one thing, then you look at the whole thing and you say, well, but guess what? This person has 35 other qualities that I do like and respect and are useful and are meaningful to me still. I get to acknowledge those. I don't have to make a decision based on this one issue or this one Mm -hmm. thing. So first with your marriage and then with your cousins, friends, whatever it may be, I have very I have a family where I'm a Democrat and a family of Republicans and I love my family. Mm -hmm. And there are things that we deeply disagree about, profoundly, and we are not gonna change our minds. Mm -hmm. And you know what I do about that? Nothing. I bring Uno to Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. So the smack talk is about the Uno game and not like about political things that are happening. Yeah. That's what I do about it. So just to give you like an example, like a practical Example, yeah,
0: so we can't change other people as much as we sometimes want to because we always are going to think we're right because we're only
1: ever able to see the world from our own paradigm. Okay, here's an experience of nuance it is true that we cannot change other people, it is also true that when we change, people respond to us differently based on how we are showing up for things. So while we cannot change other people, and that is true. We're going to do something called holding opposites. We're going to hold two opposites at the same time, which is we're going to know that's true. We can't change that person. But everybody has had this experience of going somewhere. Maybe somebody brought donuts to the office that day, and it's like everybody's cheerful and everybody's happy, right? Or someone who walks around with a big dark cloud on their head, and they just walk into the room, and everybody shuts down, right? So one person can have a huge impact on a team at work on a team at school on a lot of situations so we can't change other people and we can adjust how we're showing up and see how they respond
0: and that has been my entire journey is one of self-healing yeah and self grieving and investing in self right yes and watching my world around me shift in the most incredible, positive ways. Yes. My, I I often think like, well, what if I didn't go all in on my healing? I don't think we'd be where we are right Mm -hmm. now. Um, And it doesn't mean that my husband or family, whatever friends, like they don't have their own journeys. Right. But it means that I'm, I'm responsible for me. Yeah. And while this unthinkable loss of a child happened to us. It is not our fault. Mm-hmm. And also it is our responsibility to heal. Mm-hmm. So this is also opposites mm-hmm. where it's like, it's not our fault. And also it is our responsibility to work on our own healing heart and, yes, and mm-hmm. listen to podcasts and do whatever you can like yeah. in, in those, in those moments. So, um, yeah. you're f- brilliant. brilliant. I'm obsessed. Thank you. Um, (laughs) How can people work with you if they're really? really want to go all in on, on their marriage. And also I love that you work just with the woman. So explain that.
1: Oh yeah. Okay. So everything we've been talking about in this uh, section is based on systems theory and psychology. So systems theory is you change an element of the system and the other elements of that system respond to that change. So if somebody wants to nerd out on reading about what we're talking about, what do you mean if I change other people respond, you can just go crazy and read about systems theory online. So that, that's what my work is based on. So I work with individual humans who identify as women who want better marriages. Very often their partner maybe isn't interested in going to counseling or isn't um, as excited about doing work on their relationship for whatever reason. Very often what I see is the partner doesn't want to rock the boat because they love their partner. They're scared of doing something wrong. They don't want to change anything. So they're like I'm not going to touch this. And it's the person who comes to me is like, I want something different. I'm not feeling great. This doesn't feel delightful. Right? So I work with individuals. Um, and you can find me at maggiereyes.com. Everything that I'm doing will always be in that hub. But I have a program called the Marriage MBA, where um, it's a group program with other women who are also working on their marriages, which I will tell you I know Doreen hosts the Healing Circle, and it's so powerful to heal in community. To be with other women who are going through similar journeys first of all so you don't feel alone second of all so you just see everybody has issues we're all sort of seeing our like pretty social media vacations oh, no. and not seeing like the argument that you had five minutes before you left to the <laughs> airplane or whatever like yes. like everybody has things Yeah. right yeah. and so in a group setting you can really see how it is that everybody has things um and then i just walk you through like all the different um like like skills and tools and coaching concepts that i've worked with one-on-one clients over the years and really saying like okay this is super effective and this really helps for this and this really helps for that um and so i do that in a very structured way in the mba
0: i love it i love it so much and You were on Instagram at Maggie Reyes.
1: V Maggie Reyes.
0: V Maggie Reyes. Okay. And I'm going to link all of those here um, in the podcast. Thank you for coming on and sharing your, your mission and purpose and just wisdom with us as we navigate and have no roadmap for what's ahead. Mm -hmm. And even 10 years in, it's like, we talked, we talked about this on our previous podcast. It's like, we have some kind of a roadmap once we get through the years of first, we, we start to realize how we're going to react to certain holidays and anniversaries and random birds chirping for me when it's May. It's like all these things we start to anticipate. Mm-hmm. But then other mm-hmm. life is going to continue to happen outside of this ends um good ends hard. And you know, mm-hmm. there's gonna would like you said it's just, it's just cyclical. So yeah. thank you for being there as a resource for everyone. Um and and did you Um, well I'll, I'll link all the links below. So make Mm -hmm. it super, super easy for Mm -hmm. everyone to find you. Um, and if you liked this, if you like to listen to this tag us Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: let us know, because this is how we share this is how we share the word. And sometimes if you're listening, I have a lot of friends and family that listen, Mm -hmm. figuring out how to support their Mm -hmm. kids as they, Mm -hmm. or their, their friends, as they've navigated this, like they don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. Share this podcast with them. Yes. Because marriage and troubles in marriage are something that people do not openly talk about mm-hmm. and they, but, but sharing with them, be like, listen, this was, this was so helpful. That is a beautiful way to just show up and support if you don't know what to do. So love it. thank you for being here and I hope everyone has a wonderful day. I'll see you next week. If you found this podcast helpful, please leave us a review so that others can find this resource too. And if you would like to get involved with our organization or donate to our cause, you can visit us at www.stillmama.org. That's S-T-I-L-L-M-A-M-A.org.